This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Welcome to the modern era, a time when Americans carry $1.4 trillion in student loan debt, accruing $2,858 of additional debt every second. Can you believe it? So the average student debt is about $38,000 right now in the U.S. And the number of people over the age of 60 with student loan debt, think about that for a second, over the age of 60 still carrying student loans, has quadrupled in the last 10 years, from 700,000 people to 2.8 million people. Debt, it seems, can actually enslave a person for a very long while. And we haven't even started talking about consumer loans and credit cards and all that crap that I hope you guys, by now, um, realize is dangerous. In my family, our story was both fortunate and had some typical characteristics. You see, we have two Ivy League undergrad degrees between my wife and I, and we both have terminal degrees in our fields. She's a physician, and I went to business school. And to be very clear, we owe a debt of gratitude to our parents who helped immensely with education costs. I know that's not the case for all of you. However, When it came time to fund the graduate work, the lenders were circling the water just waiting for us to bleed. And that's exactly what we did. We bled until we started using these great four steps that I'm going to tell you about today. And by the way, they're not just for student debt. You can apply these to any kind of debt and see huge results. So here we go. I'm going to give you the four steps that we took to pay back $180,000 in student loan debt in four years. And the good news, bros, is it's only going to cost you nineteen ninety-five today. Just kidding. We're not like these uh, predatory lenders. Um, we're just going to give it to you free. You deserve to know and get on with the business of building the family God wants you to build. So I will acknowledge that our path certainly had its unique components, but my hope is that this little podcast here gives you some vision to create a plan for killing your own student loans or whatever debt you may have as quickly as possible. And with all the firepower of a Mexican luchador leaping from the corner turnbuckle with a bowie knife in his teeth and a pit bull under his arm. Back when we wrote this article on the blog, we said this, and I'm going to say it again because no one's taken me up on it, but This would be a truly glorious visual, and if anyone wants to commemorate it with like an oil painting or even maybe a uh, digital graphic, we would be all for it. Step one, make the payments as small as they can be. Isn't this obvious? If you have federal or private student loans, there's a very good chance that you can refinance them at a lower interest rate and significantly reduce your payments. Even though you're listening to this podcast because you're ready to attack your debt with vigor and thus will be making much more than the minimum payment, lowering that minimum will increase the amount of money that goes into reducing the principal on your loans. Don't stop for tacos. Don't even pray about it, except to thank God that you're taking this crucial step. Just do it as soon as humanly possible. 
Now, there is an aside here. Since most of our student loan debt was medical school related, the loans were at a federally mandated 6.875% interest rate. I had been told there were benefits to not refinancing these loans with a private company, such as loan forgiveness programs and the fact that if anything happened to the debtor, these loans would just vanish, unlike a private loan. But once it became clear that we were not going to be joining a practice that qualified us for loan forgiveness, it was pretty obvious that I could get a much better deal by just lowering my interest rate and bumping up our life insurance enough to cover the debt in the event of someone's untimely demise. So regardless of your debt type, do a quick check to make sure you won't kill any important benefits by refinancing. There's things like the repay program and income-based repayment. But also, as we did, be sure you're not dragging your feet for the sake of a benefit you're not going to ever use. There's a few great options when it comes to time to refinance your student loans. And uh, that time is now. Did I mention this? Okay. The company we used is called Earnest, and I love their rate calculation algorithm, which focuses not just on your credit score, but on your actual habits. It's kind of cool, and it works like this. You connect your accounts just like you would with a budging, budgeting tool, such as Mint, and then Ernest goes and looks at your lifestyle and spending habits and sometimes finds that your actual risk profile is a little bit higher or a little bit lower than your credit score would indicate. Because we tend to live well below our means, they could see that we were going to have no trouble paying their silly minimums, and they gave me the best possible rate, which was less than 4%, and that's way better than 6.875% right? The mobile app and the website are slick, and on one or two occasions, I needed some help, and they were really pleasant to deal with. So Ernest gets my thumbs up. There's another option called SoFi. SoFi spans a, a broader spectrum of lending and wealth management, so they might have what you need if it's missing from Ernest, different types of loans and such. Um, I have friends who are clients of SoFi, and they say good things, and their rates are comparable, but my recommendation comes secondhand, so I haven't used them. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. There's a, quite a few other options out there. Um, so do a little bit of shopping. And so far, I haven't come across any that, that seem really bad uh, of the newer refi options. So poke around. If you have a question, drop us a line and I'll, I'll give you my two cents. Step two, increase income, decrease expenses. So when you're deep in the throes of loan paying, this is not the time to quit your well-paying job and pursue your dream of becoming a spangled Broadway singer via internet videos. Now, conversely, is the time to earn some serious money, old boy, so that you can remove the millstone of debt from roundest your family's neck. And how, pray tell, might I do that, you ask? With hands on hips and a cocked eyebrow? I'm going to overlook the dubious attitude you've got and give you the answer anyway. Number one. Ask for a raise. Transparency with your employer that you're getting serious about your student debt can, in many cases, be both prudent and effective. If you're even slightly undercompensated in your current role, now is the time to change that. As a former manager of people in an office setting, it's always a bit remarkable to me how rarely my employees asked for more money. And when they did, I generally, as a boss who wanted to keep them around, was looking for ways to make it happen. So. Go ask for a raise boldly, and good luck. Step two, consider a job switch. If you ask for more money and get turned down, and you're worth more in the market than you're making, go shop yourself to a few new employers. Again, your priority at this moment is debt paydown, and your salary will be the primary source of those funds, so max it out. 
Step three, take up a productive hobby or monetize your current one. Now, I did a whole podcast about this a couple weeks ago. Go back and listen to it and have fun making money. And the final step, offer your services as a consultant. So earlier in my career, I had often written articles and spoken at other companies to build up my personal brand as a leader in my field of expertise. When we decided to get serious about our debt, I called up a few of those places and offered to help them out on a deeper level for a few hours a week as a consultant, and I charged them a premium rate. Believe it or not, I got a few takers. If you're just starting out in this area, writing and looking for opportunities to mentor others will almost certainly lead to consulting opportunities in the future if you're good at it. So there you go. But wait a second, it's not all about increasing income. For many of you, spending reduction will be the golden ticket to debt freedom. This list could go on forever, but here's just a few considerations. Number one, you need a budget. If you've spent more than five minutes in my presence, I've probably talked about a budget with you. But even thinking about paying down significant student loan debt without a budget is crazy talk. Number two, chop your grocery bill in half. It's almost always one of your biggest spending categories, and it's really easy to reduce it dramatically. So if you need some tips, go look for the episode of our podcast with Alexis Tunnel on how to feed a family of five for $360 a month. Step three, do a quick subscription audit. Do you really need HBO, Netflix, Hulu, and uh, cable TV? I don't know if you've ever heard of cable TV, but it's something that was popular um, about 20 years ago. In fact, you need none of those. You may decide to hang on to one of them, but do a quick audit of all the services you pay for regularly, and you might find $10, $50, or even several hundred dollars per month in savings. Odds are that you'll find at least one service you had forgotten you even signed up for in the first place. Oh, hi, LinkedIn Premium. And my last tip here is take some spending breaks. Here at Abraham's Wallet, we do a thing every February called Lodo Feb, where we just suck in the belt as tight as possible. And we do it for all sorts of reasons, but one of the benefits we learn from that spending break is that we actually can survive on way less than we normally do. Um, so these spending breaks can teach your family that life can be wonderful even on a low spending diet and they're great. Now the key to increasing your income will be putting the difference towards your debt. The key to reducing your spending will be, wait for it, putting the difference towards your debt. Tip number three, take calculated backstopped risks. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. But the single biggest accelerator to our student loan debt paydown plan was an investment gone very well. We found a home in the nicest part of Salt Lake City that was significantly underpriced and we pounced on it. Now, I got some sideways looks from my friends and advisors when I made this move. Why were we moving into the fancy neighborhood when we still had student loans? Good question. As I saw it, we might be able to double the value of this house with some sweat equity, some money, and a few years. We couldn't pay it off quickly or anything like that. In fact, we only put down 5% when we purchased it. Now I know what you're thinking. By that logic, couldn't you have done the same thing in Vegas at the roulette wheel? Here's where backstops are important. Before I made this move, I made sure that I had enough funds to weather a suboptimal outcome. I had expected the house to double in value, but I also lived through 2008 and knew that it could lose half of its value. 
If that happened, I had already done the work to be sure that I wasn't going to be financially broken by this negative scenario. Nor would I be stuck living in Utah, unable to move if we felt called off to another locale. This would be allowing our money to lead us, which is a no-no for the multi-generationally minded steward. My backstop was enough liquid assets to sell the home, even if it decreased precipitously in value. My calculated risk was to hang on to those funds and use them for this purpose, instead of dumping all my free cash into student loans at that moment and living in a cheaper house. That would have been fine, but by taking a calculated risk, I paid off my debt in four years instead of 10 or 11, which felt pretty good. As you may have guessed, the house did in fact double in value. We did a combination of DIY and professional renovation work to make it great, and the result was we were able to pay off the remainder of our student loans, car loans, and most of the cost of our next home with the profits from the sale of this house. And here's the last one. Don't push pause on life. There is a fervor for debt reduction evident in many of the personal finance blogs and podcasts out there, and it can lead you to some unhealthy decisions. Avoid that path by keeping your eyes set on what is truly valuable. In the four years that we became serious about dethroning our debt overlord, we had two more children, took some great vacations as a family, gave freely to a variety of ministries and causes, spent money each year on our annual goals summit, hosted some pricey celebrations, and generally pursued gain in all five capitals, trading money for more valuable assets whenever possible. And I'm going to just push pause for a second and tell you one of the most common questions we get here at Abraham's Wallet is, are you telling me I should stop giving if I have debt? It's a good question, and the answer is, unfortunately, that really depends on what you're talking about. If you went and spent all your money on new flat screen TVs and fancy cars, and there's no way for you to just sell that stuff, pay off your debt, and get on with life, then Unfortunately, my friend, you don't have any money to give. You already gave it away in exchange for that TV. But for most of you, coming up with a reasonable plan to attack your debt shouldn't be uh, an excuse to just push stop on the generosity in your family. So happy to talk more about that in the future, but I understand that debt is going to be a part of many of our lives, especially student loan debt, and I don't think it's an excuse to stop being generous until it's gone. Now back to it. When I hear someone tell me that they're waiting to start a family until they've paid down debt, I want to shake them. Just as debt can enslave you, the desire to aggressively pay down your debt can become its own idol and enslave you all the same. Your job, my friend, is to steward the resources that have been entrusted to you. That's time, money, skills, children, all of that. Sometimes that means a protracted and faithful march towards debt freedom, and other times it means a hyper-aggressive assassination of your debt. But either way, keep this corner of your financial and family life in its proper place and obey the Father. So there you have it. This was the path that we walked to pay down our student loan debt. We made some changes to our spending, upgraded to a higher paying job, and combined productive hobbies with consulting gigs to move our monthly payment from the minimum of almost $3,000, I know, insane, to about $6,000 a month. Clearly, not everyone can pay $6,000 per month, but not everyone has $180,000 of student loans either. 
While we plugged away at our student loans through this aggressive repayment plan, we also took a calculated backstopped risk that cut our planned repayment time in half. And it took me six times to record that sentence without flubbing it, so there you go. For Abraham's wallet, good luck killing those debts, and I'm Mark Barrett.